How you doing today? Um, we're going to key off of something that we've alluded to this morning. Move out of Galatians just for a minute. And if you want to open your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 5. Let's see if this thing's working. We good? How many of you could say, I have trouble sometimes hearing the whisper of the Father through the roar of the lion, the enemy. And all of us would be honest, I think, and say, you know, sometimes there's just this screaming going on in my head, uh, and it just seems to be more predominant than that still whisper of the Father. And it's hard sometimes to distinguish, you know, is this the Lord? Is this the enemy? And until we learn to do that, we can get confused. Well, I want to read this verse to you in First Peter chapter 5, in verse 8. Oh, start in 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. And I think just that that instruction would do a great deal to help us decipher through all the mess. Casting all your anxiety on him. Because usually whenever this voice is screaming, it's creating tension, creating anxiety creating condemnation, creating fear, all kinds of things. And he starts by saying, just cast all your anxiety on him. And then he says something that's very interesting. He says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. What a picture. I don't know what the enemy's like. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, let me tell you a little secret. When lions hunt, when they're looking for a prey, when they're looking for something to eat, they do not roar. They sneak. Okay? They don't roar. I mean, if he's trying to sneak up on an antelope, he's not going to sit on the side of the bushes and roar, here I am, coming to get you. I'm going to eat you for dinner. How foolish would that be? He sneaks through the grass. Now, he does roar. He sits at the, on a the highest point he can find typically, whether it's just a mound or a rock, usually in the dusk of the day or at night, and he roars. And he does that as an effort of intimidation. He's not hunting. He's just trying to intimidate. He's just trying to let you know who the king of the jungle is. I'm the boss. Now, tomorrow I might sneak up on you. But before I do that, I just want to let you know I am the boss. I am in charge. I am the king. 
of the jungle. He's not hunting. He is intimidating. And many animals have a means of intimidation. With the elephant, they call it a false charge. With a bear, they call it a false charge. And I've seen bulls do the same thing. They will come face to face with you, and they will huff and puff and stomp the ground and kick it, and they'll run right at you like they're going to eat you, and just before they get to you, they stop. Okay? They're intimidating. They're trying to intimidate you. And the thing that determines whether they go ahead and charge is one thing. They're looking for something. Know what it is? Fear. They're looking to see if you're going to be afraid. That's why they tell you, I mean, you know, uh, I've never faced a bear. You know, but they say whenever you face a bear, make a lot of noise and try to make yourself as big as you can. And if someone's with you, you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun them. But there's a sense of intimidation that the enemy uses. He's challenging us. He's throwing stuff at us to see what will stick. And you, you may have heard the story about the lion that, set up all night long roaring and just declaring his supremacy and letting everybody know was boss. In the morning, he was feeling his oats, man, and he's strutting through the jungle, and he comes up on an elephant, I mean, comes up on a, a, a monkey, and he says, who's the king of the jungle? And the elephant just trembles, and you are, you are, sir, you are. Yeah, and don't you forget it. He walks on through the jungle, and he finds a, an antelope, roaring all line, all night, bringing intimidation. He comes on the antelope and he says, who's the king of the jungle? And the antelope goes, you are, sir, you are. And don't you forget it. He keeps walking through the jungle and he meets the elephant. Who's the king of the jungle? The elephant reaches out and grabs him by the tail and smacks him on the ground and flips him against a tree and swings him around his head and throws him about 20 yards in the air. He hits the tree and he gets up and dusts himself off. And says, well, you don't have to get upset just because you don't know. Intimidation is that factor, and he intimidates us. And what he's looking for is, is it going to make me fearful? Because fear is the entryway to the destruction of the enemy's voice. Oh, I'm afraid this is going to happen. I'm afraid I'm not going to have the resources. I'm afraid we're going to do this. And, And the enemy at that point is trying to bring intimidation to us. And he's saying to you, who's the king of the jungle? And when we stand, verse 9. Resist him firm in the faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brothers who are in the world. What's one of the first things the enemy wants to do with his fear and intimidation? Nobody on earth has ever felt this but you. 
Nobody on earth has ever thought this but you. You're the only one. There's nobody that can identify with what you're going through. There's nobody that can comfort you in what you're going through because this is unique just to you. Intimidation. Isolation. First thing he says is resisting. Firm in the faith. Where am I going to get faith? Faith is not grunting to believe. I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe. Faith doesn't come through human effort. Faith comes from standing on what God has said. And so when the enemy comes with his intimidation and he's looking for fear, he's looking for a chink in that armor, He's looking for something inside of us that says, oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're the king of the jungle. I am worthless. I am, am not going to make it. All of my bills are going to go unpaid, and I'm going to lose my house, and I'm going to lose my car. My kids are going to become preachers and, you know, and all of that stuff. And all of that intimidation. And then when he finds fear, he says, oh, yeah, and let me show you what that looks like. And he paints this picture for us. That's total, it's a complete illusion. But because he's found fear, because he's found someone that doesn't understand what God says, he's found someone with anxiety, they've given place. Uh, You're right. You're the king of the jungle. But he's not a lion from the tribe of Judah. And that's where we stand in what God says. Resist him. Firm in your faith. Listen, just because you think it doesn't mean you have to think it out. Okay? Just because you think it doesn't mean you have to play that scenario out. He comes with, you're worthless. Oh, you're right. I'm worthless. I'm never going to amount to anything. And boy, here we go. Here we go, cooperating with him because he's found fear inside of us. Resist him, stand firm in what God, the minute it comes, if we, if we learn the voice of the Lord and if we know what God's word tells us, we don't have to wallow in it. We don't have to nurse it. We don't have to rehearse it. We can resist it because we say, that's not God. I'm not going there. I'm not going to give room and place to think about this and dwell on this and let it take root in my heart. I will resist and I will stand firm in faith, knowing that I'm not the only one that's ever gone through this. He says, after you suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. When? When I resist and stand firm in the faith. We want muscles by reading a physical fitness book. We don't want to exercise. We want to lose 40 pounds on the couch reading a diet book or watching a video. It doesn't work that way. Standing firm in the faith means that there is something to stand against. And when the enemy comes with his intimidation, I stand against that with 
what God says. And, and, and I know the thought goes through our mind, well, I don't even believe that stuff is true at that point in time. You don't have to confess it to believe. You don't have to believe it's true to confess it. Confess it anyway. What are you going to do? Confess what he says? How's that working for you? We give the enemy way, way, way too much credit. We give him too much credit. God has given us everything we need to stand against his authority if we exercise that. I'm telling you, folks, he is a bluff. He has no authority except what we give him. He cannot force lies on us. He cannot force destruction on our life. That's the intimidation. And when I resist and stand firm in what God says, it circumvents everything that he can do. And what happens is when I do that, God perfects, confirms, strengthens, and establishes us because we walked through it victoriously. Fear had no place. You say, well, how am I going to trust God and have fear at the same time? Listen, David said, what time I am afraid, I will trust God. Trusting God is not an emotion. Trusting God is not the absence of fear. John Wayne said, bravery is not being unafraid. Bravery is saddling up in the middle of fear. We don't have to have this perfect concept of, okay, I'm not, I, it doesn't matter what we feel. And the quicker we understand that God is not the least bit concerned about our happiness, he's concerned about our holiness. And from holiness comes joy and peace, patience, long-suffering, all of those things that he promised in his word. So what bluff is the enemy using on you? What's he threatening you with? Listen, it is a bluff. He can't do anything unless we give him permission. Fear gives him permission because from that fear, I will act in that. And when I act in that, to embrace what he says, boy, you're right. You're right. I mean, the wheels have come off. Everything's going to be terrible. It's going to be really bad. When I give him that ground, he's free to act. He's free to move in our life. It's a bluff. He can't do what he tells you he's going to do without your cooperation. Stand. Resist. I'm going to say what God says even though I don't feel it until I feel it. And then I'm going to say it if I don't feel it because it's true whether I feel it or not. God's given many of us promises about our life and about our future. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy that hope that purpose, that destiny that God has for us. He is a bluff. He can't steal it. We can only give it to him. 
We give it to him out of fear that he's going to steal it. And he's promised us victory in those situations. So he might come as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I don't want to be that one. I don't want to be the one that says, you know what, you're right, have at it. I want to stand against what he's doing. That's how victory comes. That's how restoration comes. Listen, restoration is not this thing that just drops out of heaven on top of you. Restoration comes because I choose to allow the restorer to restore my life. I choose to allow, what was the word you used, Paul? Transformation. Transformation takes place when I choose to allow the transformer to work in my life. As I behold him, I am changed from glory to glory. Enemy doesn't have any power except what we give him by agreeing with him. And when we agree with him, all of those things become reality. But when I stand against him and resist him and say, you know what, you are a liar. I am, we don't even have to address him. We just have to stand with what God says that's contrary to what he says. And restoration will come. Transformation comes. Hope comes because we have resisted and stood in the faith. We've stood in what God says. All right, any questions? You say, yeah, that's easy to say. Trust me, I know it's easy to say. It's harder to do. Go ahead, Michael. Not a question, but uh, the word Satan just means accuser, right? So I'm just struck by that term false charge. Yeah. <laughs> he makes a charge against you that has no basis in God's truth. It's false. And all you have to do is stand in God's truth. That's right. And what did, what did Revelation, how did Revelation say we overcame the accuser of the brethren? Blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, what God says. What God says. That's our testimony is what God says. Anyone else?